This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead. Hello, everyone. This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead. I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. In this third podcast, we're going to talk about God and especially how we can pray in silence. One of the most profound kinds of prayer is found in silence, in the simple act of listening to God. The art and practice of centering prayer, or silent prayer, is rigorous and takes great discipline. For the American mind, in particular, is trained to be overly active and incessantly talkative. The only way to explore the gift of silence is to allow the repetitive worries, distractions, and chats inside our minds simply wash over us. We must wait for them to wear themselves out. We must allow them to swirl around us, wade through them, so to speak. We cannot forcefully shut down the mind in a way that won't numb us to God's presence, so we must tolerate the mind's jumping and dancing until, eventually, It tires, or pauses, or rests for a moment. When the prophet Elijah came to the mountain, he was looking for God. He sat in a cave and waited. Great events of nature came to him, in wind and fire, and he did not find God in them. Elijah found God in the still, small voice, or so it was translated from the Hebrew into the King James English. But the translation, like so many translations, butchered the rich and vast meaning of the original Hebrew. When I was in seminary, my Old Testament professor had a new translation for these Hebrew words. He chose the phrase, eloquent silence. Once I heard these words, they rang out like a bell in my soul. Of course, Elijah found the presence of God in eloquent silence. That sounded right. A lot of prayer has to do with trusting ourselves. You are the only one who can experience the movement within your own mind. Only you can know the sound of the voice of love within your mind and distinguish it from the sound of worry or criticism or just factual knowledge. Only you can find the myriad of ways that your mind seeks rest, the traumas it processes, the wisdom it has absorbed. Only you know the different aspects of your mind, the creative side, the worrying mind, the stressed mind. One reason many people avoid prayer is that we cannot pray without running straight into our own minds and selves. To begin to pray is first to discover our own complexity and inadequacy, and then to have to move beyond that in love. That is why the church talks so much about sin, not because humans are bad in any way. You are good. God said that at the beginning of creation. That has not changed. But sin means that you miss the mark. You are distracted, misled, confused. To accept yourself as a distracted creature of God 
who has many kinds of thoughts, is to allow yourself the grace to love yourself. Sin is just a way of naming our brokenness and learning to accept it. You cannot pray if you don't want to know yourself. God loves you and calls you inward so that you can then move outward into the world. That is why Jesus, immediately after his baptism, went out into the desert to pray. And when he was in the desert, the scripture is clear that Jesus was tempted by Satan. He heard evil. He was tempted to make food for himself, to worship power, to defy God. Even Jesus was tempted. So why should you be ashamed of your crazy, destructive, lustful, bizarre thoughts? Thoughts don't belong to us, and they don't define us. Eve was tempted before the fall when she was free of sin. It's just something that happens to the human being. Temptation happens. It is part of the created order. It was even present in Eden. It is so important to recognize that Jesus did nothing regarding his ministry until he knew the inner workings of his own mind and how the devil tempted him. Only once he came to an awareness of the nature of his distraction did he emerge to do the work of God. Only after he dismissed the devil could he become the fullness of who God called him to be. So we too must navigate and ultimately learn to maneuver past our temptations in order to fully engage with God. Prayer must come before and in the midst of all things. And we cannot pray without running headlong into our own complex and broken and beautiful minds. Centering prayer adopts the practice of silence head-on. By sitting still and repeating a sacred word, we come face-to-face -face with our distractions, temptations, and eventually, as the mind begins to rest, with the presence of the Eternal One. The first step is to find a word. This word has to come from the depths of your heart, it must evoke trust, vulnerability, and holiness. It is your own personal word uttered in the privacy of your mind. It can be used to call the mind back to the center when the mind inevitably wanders. Once you have chosen a word or phrase, don't second-guess it. The choice of the word is not important. What is important is that you stick with it and try to move more deeply into love with each utterance. One of the first ways that the mind may choose to distract is to question the validity of the word itself. Such is worry. It will latch onto whatever is placed before it. Centering prayer is just creating silence and protected time for the presence of the holy to become felt and known. 
but it is one of the most demanding kinds of prayer because it lays us bare in a time when the human mind, particularly the American mind, is used to such stimulation that it is almost painful to be quiet. The mind will rebel at first. It will kick and scream and think of every reason why you need to cut the prayer time short and do something else. This temptation will never leave you, so you must come up with an ironclad method of accountability. You cannot battle this kind of temptation without the motivation of others who will support you as well as hold you accountable. Get a small group of prayer practitioners to talk to you weekly. Tell them how your practice is going. Make yourself accountable to at least another human being. You cannot do this by yourself. Just ask anyone who battles alcoholism or addiction, for they know what it is to battle temptation. You need your group and your sponsor. We can't do this battle alone. Our minds are addicted to distraction. There is no way to do this alone. The darkness will not rest until you stop praying, so find a way to approach this practice with seriousness, rigor, and commitment. This is no joke. It is a battle. The battle for your heart and mind. And just as the devil tempted Jesus, so you will be tempted. Every kind of excuse and self-hatred will enter your mind, not just at first, but every time you sit down. Ironically, it is in silence that we do battle with darkness. The devil would much rather have you busy, distracted and spinning in circles, then have you actually begin to listen to your thoughts and reflect on your life. Centering prayer may look passive, but it is one of the most active things that you can do with your life. To pray in silence is to see that there is a battle going on in your mind. It is to look that battle in the face and begin to love yourself anyway. I want to spend some time now focusing on the warfare itself that goes on in each and every human mind. I call it warfare because there are voices of shame and self-criticism that visit every human being. And we do ourselves a disservice if we simply call these thoughts and impulses things like anxiety, depression, fear. These psychological terms are accurate, but they are ultimately inadequate because they do not do justice to the fact that these thoughts do not belong to us. These impulses, feelings, and thoughts come from outside of us. They are not part of the person that God created us to be. Most often they come from childhood trauma, destructive cultural influences, conflict, and danger. They are much less present in a well-loved and protected child. But this world is so broken that one cannot live in it without experiencing pain and fear, and these thoughts intrude as soon as these emotions are ignited. Thus a good term for these destructive thoughts and feelings is demon. It is a demon who tells the alcoholic to drink. We call it addiction, a disease, yes and yes. It is also a demon. What other word would be adequate for a repetitive impulse that tries to kill a human being with alcohol? Suicidal thoughts. Demons. 
The person who hears them must battle them and not simply admit to having them. It is imperative that the person who hears these destructive thoughts and impulses understands that they do not belong to them and that the person is not to blame for these thoughts. They are to be identified as other, as an enemy, and any feelings of shame associated with having them should be let go. It is good to be transparent, good to seek help, but the individual soul must know that demons are to be fought. Each one of us has the power to tell the demon to get lost in the name of Jesus. We must be taught not only to name these destructive thoughts and feelings, but to send them away, not to own them or let them define us. We do have that power, but we will not battle the darkness until we realize what the darkness looks like. It is quite simply the power of evil. And if you pray diligently, you will run head on into demons. We all have them and we all must learn to cast them away. That is the job of everyone who loves God, to cast aside the darkness and put on the armor of light. St. Francis himself battled demons. Mother Teresa battled demons. The holier the person, in many ways, the more the demons descend. So do not think for one moment that because you have destructive thinking, you are not holy and blessed by God. Do you have thoughts that tell you you're ugly? Stupid? A failure? Do they say that you've messed up your life and you can never recover? Do you berate yourself? Do you have thoughts that repeat themselves over and over again? Come to know their voices. Name them for what they are and then cast them aside. If the voice in your head and the thoughts that run around are not loving, they are not of God. That is the gift of prayer, to clean the mind like we would clean a dirty room and to make it ready to receive the Holy One. So sweep away all the dead flies and insects, all the dirt and the repeating thoughts of failure, of shame, of distraction. Sweep them aside Clean the mind and make room for God. This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead.